Hey everyone, welcome to Awaken 24 Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Oliva, and I'm here to bring you the tools to keep you in the driver's seat of your mind 24 hours a day. <clears throat> Clearing the throat, because here we go. Today's talk is really good. It's about overcoming your fear. And how simple of a talk could that be? It could be so simple as just jump into it, just go for it, just take the chance. You never know what's going to happen. You know, like, success is on the other side of your fear and all that. And that's cool talk. And yeah, it can work and can motivate you and make you feel really good about yourself. But the truth is, you can't reason with yourself when you're going to do something that is definitely the thing which you are so uncomfortable about you can't reason with yourself about it because once you start that inner dialogue of why you should and how you can but you're not sure and you give in to the thought of the doubt you know and you say I'm not sure if I could what if I mess up what if I go this way what if I go that way and you know like I could have made a better choice and you know, people are going to make fun of me or people are going to think me you know, stupid or, and all these things that just go in your head. You know, you really got to just stop. <laughs> and it's not enough just to jump into it. You have to reframe your thinking, your perspective on what it is you're going to undertake. Reframing. Now, your brain is probably going to be burning like, no, don't do this. <laughs> and it will. And that's okay. But you have to just stop. And that's it. Just stop. You're frozen. You can't make that move. You're not going to step forward. (laughs) And what do you do at that point? (laughs) Very simple. Stop. Reframe. Don't think about how much you feel. Don't think about what it is you got to do just reframe this feeling I have is not telling me I cannot this feeling I have is not telling me what I'm going to suck at this feeling I have is actually telling me what it is that I just never did before and it's it's really just that way you gotta expect yourself to just sit there and go I'm no good I can't do this You have to. Why? Because that's really what's going to happen. When you never undertake the thing that you're about to do, you never did it ever before in your life, you're going to sit there going, oh shit. (laughs) It's really just like that. So you have to stop and reframe. Really, ask yourself what it is that I do not understand. What it is or what is it that I am not clear on. Because then when you do that, your anxiety starts to simmer down. It may take a minute or two or 10 or 20, but it will. And you have to give yourself that chance. So the moment you're about to go and step into the fire of whatever it is you got to do, get ready for it. Stop for a second and be like, all right, (laughs) all right, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. How can I go about doing this? And the thing is, you don't know what you don't know. So if you truly are in that state of, I have no clue what the hell I got to do, it's simple. Not just do it. Don't reason with yourself. Reframe. 
I'm, that's why I'm repeating reframes so much. It is so important to just put yourself in a different perspective and entertain that different perspective. Why should you always think the negative about something you're unsure about? Why should you? What is it in the past that has taught you, that has been the example for you, that has been the experience for you, that tells you you have to talk yourself down, devalue yourself in a situation that you feel anxious in, fearful in, confused in. What is that? Where did it come from? Who said it? What was the situation? Really, just because you feel a certain way does not mean you have to go by the normal, you know, the normal stream of thinking about it. The normal stream of thinking of something that you don't know about is fear. Oh, I can't do this. Oh, no, what am I going to do? Oh, I'm going to mess up. Oh, everyone's going to make fun of me. Like, I'm going to make a fool of myself. Uh, I'm going to get fired. Or I'm going to make a big mistake. Like, dude, these things happen. Right? It's okay. Because when you go ahead and you assess and reframe, you're telling yourself a different story. And that's what you need to do. You might not believe it, but truthfully ask yourself this question, and I'll repeat that question. Why should you repeat the same or go into the same thinking about something as everyone else does? The normal thinking. Okay, let's rephrase that. When I face a situation that anxiety starts to rise or fear starts to rise, I stop and I ask myself, this is a normal, usual perspective that is out there on things that one does not know. Why should I do, think, say such things to myself? Why? And it's simple. Because that's all I've been taught. So when I get to that point, I say, what if I was taught something different? What if I didn't have the fear, the anxiety, and the self-doubt, the negative self-talk about this situation? What would I be without those things? And then I entertain that. Then I go into it. I would be straight-talking. I would be confident. I would not be worried because I never experienced it, so I'm just going to jump right in. This is where jumping right in really makes sense. Because you put an end to this normal looping experience and perspective that everyone around you has taught you to be like, to act like, to experience, to say, okay, you put yourself in this position where you can stop that. So when you reframe your thinking, you're actually telling yourself, opposite of what you feel and think at that moment about the thing you're going to experience. <laughs> it seems like it's a little difficult and really like uh, intricate, right? It's not. It's just, so let's simplify it. It's simply just thinking opposite of what you're thinking. <laughs> so if it's, oh, I don't know what I, I, I'm going to forget what I have to say. I'm going to fumble. I'm going to blah, blah, blah. Say the opposite. Say, I'm not going to fumble. There's no reason I should be fumbling. Like, what's the point of that? I, I, why am I even thinking that? Like, I can speak. 
I know how to speak. <laughs> uh, I know somewhat of what I have to say, so I'm not really worried about that. Why should I be worried about that? So what happens is you're, you're affirming without stating that there was something that you needed to overcome. You're affirming that you are a specific way and now you have the chance to actually practice being that way. So you're applying the actual action to your thinking, which is phenomenal. How often do you get that chance? Ha ha, you get it every time. You do. Every single time you have a chance to do something that you did not do or that you have never done before in a way that is not the usual way. For example, if you're taking a walk down the street and you go to the go to the bus stop, instead of like turning away from the people who are in that bus stop, go in, everyone's there for the same thing, say, hey, how you doing? Right? Instead of hiding away, shying away, you turn around and you do something you didn't do because it's for you, it might be scary. Maybe you're an introvert, so you feel like you don't want to talk to people. And then you just turn around and be like, hey, how you doing? Wow, this bus isn't here yet. Oh, we still have five minutes. All right, good. Right? That's it. You just engage somebody. If you're afraid to engage, you, f- you, you, you pick and choose the things and you face it. You do it. But you reframe it first because you don't want to torture yourself. <laughs> Look, your brain doesn't want to do things out of the ordinary because it's used to specific types of habits. What you can do is start to exercise different habits. So if you're on the job, um, let's say your job is management, and now you have to oversee some of your coworkers and, and explain to them how to do certain things and you know, how to be organized and you know, how to be a self-starter and all that. And now you have to like, direct them. If you're not used to doing that, you will, feel, you will not feel confident. So what you're going to need to do is not just practice being that way, but reframing your position in your mind. Reframing what you think about that specific activity. Instead of, oh, they're not going to listen to me. Oh, man, you know, they're always making fun of me or whatever. Instead of that, just be like, no, I know what I have to say. I know what needs to get done. So what's the better way of approaching this situation? What's the better way? Being more enthusiastic, maybe? Maybe being extra sharp in what you're doing. And then holding the physical posture and the right bodily expressions and facial expressions and emotional expressions that show authority. So how do you model that when you don't know what that model is? You find people who are in that position and you observe them. You imitate. And then you give yourself a new narrative. I can be that way. I am that way. Actually, when I'm not at work, I'm very much of a leadership. I, uh, I'm very much of a leader. I am very organized. I am very much of a manager because I manage how things go in my house. I manage how things go in my life. Why? What does that feel like? And I'm just going to put it on the table for everyone else. So look, John, you do this because we need this done and you're really good at that. And Susan, you need to do A, B, and C because this is your real good skill and I know you're fucking fantastic about it. That's how you go about it, right? You start role-playing and changing the narrative. Then you go right into the activity so you can match what you're affirming in your head 
we can match this new positive self-talk and this new type of perspective. It's really like that. It's daily practice, daily cultivation of this new type of habitual experience. You're not going to experience a new habit, a new cycle of habits, which are positively reinforcing your life. So in this quote-unquote facing your fear, it's really important to reframe how you perceive, how you uh, how, the kind of perspective you have about the thing you're going to experience. And it's going to be stressful, and you're going to feel tired, but you will be thankful, you will be so grateful that you ended up coming home today like a different person, not repeating the same cycles of fear and anxiety. How amazing is that? It's a big step for a lot of people. Right now, what if this isn't a relationship at home with your spouse? Right? Imagine that. Imagine your spouse is someone who always talks down to you no matter how much you feel you're, you're accomplishing. And then when they do, you feel like you shut out. You shut them out. You feel attacked. You feel victimized. And you have to you know, fight back. Uh, as in a way that you want to defend yourself, which causes more argument. It's not that you're wrong, but it's not that they're wrong either. See, when someone criticizes, especially someone so close to us, you know, we have to see it in two ways. We can see it in two ways. We can see it as a direct attack on our person, or we can question, oh, well, I, I, I really doubt this person is, is trying to make my life miserable, right? Unless they are then, you know, you deserve it if you're staying in the relationship and they don't want to change. That's really on you, man. But if in a relationship where your spouse is affecting, hurting you emotionally, mentally, picking on you and stuff, of course, they have their own issues. That's why they're doing it. Number one, there's something going on inside of their mind with their habits and their looping, you know, habits that, that, that cause them to react to you and what you do and what you say in a certain way. But once you establish that that perspective, you're like, oh shit, they have some things going on. All right, you know what? They're calling me this and that, and they're acting like this and that with me. You take a step back and see what it is in me that attracts that from them. What is it that makes them want to be like this to me? And in that, you get to question, is what they say very true? So if it's true, what can you do to not make that true? What can you do to change it? What, and it doesn't matter if they can validate it or not. Just the next problem is that we look to val- be validated. Oh, I just changed, but they're not recognizing it. They're still calling me A, B, and C, and, you know, nothing's working. I'm really frustrated. I can't take this relationship. I'm just a victim. You know, they keep abusing me. Well, look, it's a different perspective you got to take here. You're not needing other people's validation, which is another sign of weakness. You cannot be validated unless you truly got concrete evidence, tangible evidence of your change and of your uh, progress, okay, and the outcomes that come. It's undeniable. And your emotions about these things are going to tell you how far you really got. So let's say you change your perspective on anything. Let's say it's uh, saving money, right? Your your spouse is always criticizing you that you don't know how to save money, you're always wasting money, blah, blah, blah. And now you start to manage your money. Now you start to 
have enough money for bills and have enough money for food and you know you can buy enough clothes and now you have some savings and all that and they're still calling you out on what you used to do well if you turn around and say well look at my bank statements now right look at these now like i'm saving i have more money saved than you do right though that could shut them up and you would be right because you have you know tangible proof of that but that actually just causes puts more wood on the fire causes more aggravation between you and the other person because now it's not just i want to show you that i'm better but now you're fighting with them to prove that they're wrong which they now take defense at saying i'm not wrong because i know you always like this and this is just gonna happen again and again well consistency (laughs) builds credibility with yourself and in that it is very difficult for anyone else to find fault in you when the exact thing the very thing they criticize you on has disappeared course they'll find something else which is golden for you because now you're like shit i gotta work on that too and you won't tell them oh i'm gonna work on it you do it and then you change because you're doing it you're changing two weeks three weeks a month goes by and now they found something else to criticize you on does that make sense i think so but what happens Consistently, one month goes by, two months go by, and these things are now changing. There's no more of this, you know, flaw that this person has seen in you. They have nothing else to say except, holy shit, I'm so surprised you did change. That's an excellent feeling. Now, you gotta watch how you respond. You'd be like, that's right, I did change. You're like, you know what? I did. It took a lot of work. Thank you for pointing out all my flaws because I was able to recognize that I needed to make a difference. So you see the perspective I'm offering you here? When in a relationship, you have to decide, is this person, is my spouse or my girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, actually trying to hurt me? Or are they just going through some shit that they just don't recognize and they're acting like this just because that's how they have been taught and that's how they've been telling themselves Right now, when they don't have something to anchor those their, their own perspectives on and their own perception, then they're like, what's going to happen? They're going to change too, and eventually, you guys get cro- closer together. And instead of fighting about things, now you're discussing about the things. And you're like, you're right. Take a hundred percent accountability. You're right. I was a bad spender. I was an abusive person emotionally, mentally. I was a total, you know, ass. I, I, I disregarded your feelings. I, I, I'm sorry. Like, I've realized I did that and I just, you know, I was trying to buy you flowers now and, and I was doing that because I was buying the flowers not just to make you feel good, but also to let me appreciate you more. Like, this is my gift to you for sticking around with me for as long as you did. Right? Then you're showing them that there's value in the gift you give. There's value in the things you do around the house. There's value in the person you're with. But it's not in the physical object. It's what you had given that that meaning. Like a ritual, right? You do certain things. There's an intent in there. There's a whole emotion and a whole entire perspective in there. A whole entire energy in there that you put out. This charisma, this enthusiasm, this this love, this compassion, this regard, this kindness, and that eventually builds up and is felt. You see, when a person sees you a certain way, it's because your cycles 
have happened so much that they're going to peg you on that. Be like, you're this, you're just this way. So no matter how much you change, you're always going to be the way they assume you to be. We only change that by consistently doing the opposite. Well, when the person turns around and says, oh, you're like this, really? I think I've changed. Like, I've been really working hard on this, and I believe in the last few months, the last few weeks, I haven't acted like this. And it's been consistent now, and it's been going on for a few more weeks, and you know, I thought I was going to fall back on it. There were hard times where I had to catch myself, but I really pushed forward. And I, you know, you're right, I did act this way a lot, but if you recall, the last few weeks, I really really haven't portrayed that and they go ah, you know what you're right I'm surprised you know you did change you know I'm sorry maybe I was a little too hard on you it's like no because if you weren't hard on me I really probably really wouldn't have have changed or seen I needed to change because I didn't want to hear this from you anymore and the only way to stop you from saying these things to me is simply because I changed that's the only reason you stopped I wanted you to stop so I had to change myself so you can stop because I didn't want to hear you say these things about me, to me. I didn't want to be uh, attacked and I felt I was being attacked because I didn't understand. Now I understand and now I realize, wow, I could have just changed so easily. You see in the relationship how perspective change. Now, if the other person is truly just a total idiot on you, it's a total jerk off and it's just, they, they're just abusive physically, mentally, emotionally, you have to really pick your battles be like you know what I might be fucked up but this person's a total jerk and this is not really going to help I need to change but as I'm changing this person is really trying to make my life miserable you have to decide how deep that goes so you can choose whether or not you're going to stay in this situation you really have to be really clear on that and then bring it right up look if you're going to act like this I'm trying to change this isn't helping. And I, you know what? I can't do it when you're always trying to hit me. You're always trying to yell at me. You come home drunk or, you know, you act like a jerk or the house is a mess and you're not even helping me clean. Like, I need help. We need help. And if we're not going to work together on this, we're going to have a bigger issue. Like, you have to really put this on the table. So fear and anxiety really fit into this picture, too, in relationships. Before, we were talking about working and being in society, right? Doing things in work doing things out in the street, saying hi to somebody or, you know, assisting someone who needs help or whatever. But now this is one's at, this one's at home with your spouse or girlfriend, boyfriend. Okay? Now what about it with your family members, like your blood your blood relatives, you know, your sisters, your father, your mother, your cousins, whoever's closest to you in your immediate family, like, this also falls into it. These are the closest people to you. They know your flaws and they will pick those flaws and put them on a pedestal and be like, you're an ass. <laughs> you're a jerk you don't do anything with your life you always jump all over the place you don't do anything special like you're just a failure or whatever and they'll always peg you on this and then they'll give you excuses they'll help you have excuses am I wrong? they'll be like well it's okay you know you're just trying or you know when you're growing up and you have a little baby fat and they call it baby fat and you're like five years old, oh, it's just baby fat, you'll grow out of it, right? And then you're nine years old, you just, ah, oh, it's just baby fat. And then you're like, you're 15, you're like, eh, it's okay, it'll grow. It'll, I mean, it'll go away when you're older, you know? It's just baby fat. And then you're 25 and you still have baby fat? <laughs> so even though they want to be nice and not hurt your feelings, which is a, a beautiful thing, 
they're actually enabling you to keep the excuses as to why you don't need to exercise, why you don't need to watch what you eat, or why you don't need to watch your health, or watch your whatever, right? Or the homework. Ah, oh, it's okay. Look, you're going to have more homework in high school, so just go through this one, and you, know, you don't have to finish this one today. I'll write a note for you, or um, don't worry, I'll do it for you, or let's do it together and hear the answers, right? But when you get into, like, junior high and high school, you're going to have to do it yourself. See, these things don't help. If you, if you ever had family members like that, that's really not helping you. But it's, it feels good to not have to take certain responsibility right away. <laughs> uh, so when we take on situations that we are, one, unfamiliar with, two, have a bad perspective on, we're going to feel anxious. We're going to have the stories, the narrative that tell us that that feeling we feel that we labeled fear and nervousness and anxiety is though is those things <laughs> okay like our narrative is going to tell us that that feeling is exactly that when in truth that's just a neurological response to what's going on and it's telling you obviously you don't know what you're doing so the only way to know what you're doing is to get involved go study Okay, so for me, I'll give a big example, a prime example, um, though I'm not like 100% phenomenal at this. When I'm in, in person, when I'm with people, and I have to talk about something to people, I'm, I, I can do public speaking, I can do lectures, I'm really good at that, and I have to meet somebody to explain some type of maybe program or product. Once I'm familiar with it, I'm really good at explaining it, talking to it, you know, basically putting it up on the pedestal and, and making someone interested to a degree. When it comes to being on the phone, oh, that used to f- screw me up big time. So over, geez, 20 years, I just avoided any type of phone conversation that had to do with selling. Okay. And the only way I got out of it was to actually be in the position, learn the product, learn the service, learn how to do these types of calls, and actually get involved and make those calls. And I had to reframe my mind. I had to reframe reframe the perspective I had about doing that because I would just freeze on the phone. Even though I knew what the hell to talk about, I'm a good talker. Uh, when it comes to these types of things, I just couldn't do it. So in the past, I had to face that and talk on the phone and get better at it. Um, it's something I sucked at, but I knew I had to I had to actually get better at because that was one aspect that held me back. Not just being able to talk on the phone and sell something or, or get someone educated on a certain service or product or whatever, but it was just something I had terrible, bad perspective on. And it held me back in progressing in my own business, actually, for many years. So when we want to face a fear, we have to reframe our thoughts, reframe the perspective. Just because you feel a certain thing doesn't mean you have to go in the same loop, the same loop of thinking the way you always have. You won't get past it. When you know it's a very big moment in your life and you are like, holy shit, what am I going to do? That's exactly the thing you have to do. So you just not suck it up. You reframe. I can do this because whatever it is you're a reason for. I have to do this because, and you look at your why. 
something, you say, well, this doesn't have to always be in fear. I don't have to be scared of this. Why did I believe I have to be scared of this? This is just something I'm not familiar with. This is something I'm not really clear about. I have to get clear so I don't fear. And then exercise. Like, not that you don't fear. It's just you don't have the same thoughts about this feeling. So we got to really refrain. That's about, I don't know, the eighth time maybe that I talked about the word refrain. So there you are. <laughs> Facing your fear, number one, is not just jumping into it, but reframing your thinking and don't reason with yourself. Do not reason with yourself about why you shouldn't fear or why you shouldn't be anxious because you're going to feed the concept that there is a fear and that there is an anxiety. When in actuality, it is just a thing happening and you're giving it its, its fuel. You're giving it its direction. The direction in I can't or the direction in I am. I'm doing or I can't be doing. Okay, reframe your thinking and then go right into it. That's where you go with it. So the fear, change that concept. The context is that feeling of fear is simply telling you what you're unfamiliar with. To get familiar, you have to go into it. Same thing with the anxiousness. Got me? I got you. <laughs> Thank you very much. This is an awesome talk. I think I can just keep repeating this talk over again because it's just really important. Even telling this to children shapes their whole entire idea of what they can and cannot accomplish. And the truth is that kids can accomplish way more than adults can because they're still fresh. They didn't get bombarded with 10, 15 years of crap. That's why kids, we call them innocents because they don't have half or not even close to half. They don't have anything close to the self-doubt and negative self-talk that adults have. You know what the sad thing about it is? The parents put that on them. I watched a documentary. It was a talk, a TED Talk. Awesome TED Talk. I have it on my Facebook page. Actually, it's on my, uh, it's on our Awaken 24 community group on Facebook. So you can look for that, Awaken 24 community. And um, you can join in and just say, hey, I heard your podcast. And I'll put you right in so I posted up a TED Talk with this guy who was talking about uh, in Australia there was a study on parents and how they speak to their kids. And it said that every day kids are given 23 or something like that, 20-something 20, 20 amounts, 20 amount of sentences about negativity. They are told 20-something amounts of things, 23 or 24 sentences every day that disempower them. Like, you can't do this. No, don't do that. You're no good. You'll never finish it, you know? Like, you're crazy. You're stupid. You're, you're a moron. Like, stuff like that. And, and then it gets goes on and on. Very creative, actually. Every year, 144,000 or so sentences are told to a kid about how they can't. So what, imagine that, from the moment they're born, right? You can't touch this, you can't go over there, don't put this in your mouth, you're no good this, you're no good that, blah, 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 you're so annoying, oh, get out of here, get out of my face, uh, go over there right now, I don't want to talk to you, right? I'm on the phone, don't talk to me. Like, these things, imagine that 144,000 sentences per year are fed into a kid's brain, and it reframes their mind 
their perspective, their nervous system. It builds up a habit loop. It builds up a loop in their head that tells them who they are. Every single year it compacts. And imagine when they get older, how much could they actually accomplish for themselves? It's sad. Like I watch it and I cry. Like thankfully I never did this with my son. My wife and I never disempowered him. We did not tell him, you can't do that. We say, not yet. Do this at another time. Right now is not the right time. And we explain to him why. Right now, I'm going to explain to you how to do it. And we're going to exercise how, knowing how to do it. So here's the steps to do something. Whatever it is you want to do. Um, you jump from, I don't know, when he was three years old, I taught him how to, how to roll. So how to jump off something and then roll on the floor, roll over on his back and land on his feet. Roll onto his feet. So we're at a park and I put him on this uh, jungle gym and there's a platform that's probably about four feet off the ground. And the kid is only up to my half of my thigh and he's only three years old. So I tell him, go ahead, jump. And he's looking at me like, are you an ass? <laughs> but we wrestle a lot and we play fight and do a lot of activities. So he's kind of like already into this, but he looks at me like, get out of here. I say, you can do it. Remember what I told you, how do you roll? How do you roll? Just roll. You jump. You land on your feet, you bend forward, you roll over your shoulder to your hip, and you roll onto your feet. And he did it. He did it several times. He didn't hurt himself. He listened. If I said, no, don't jump from there, you're going to get hurt. No, don't jump there, you're going to hurt. No, don't jump there. Like, yeah, keep repeating, don't do that, you can't do that, you're too young, you're too small. Are you kidding me? He wouldn't be half, of his, half of the, as athletic as he is now at six, seven years old. So you see... If we disempower, we put the fear, we put the, pers- the narrative of fear, the, the narrative of I cannot in that kid's mind. When they're 15, when they're 20, when they're 25, when they're 40, when they're 50, the I can'ts rule. That's why people have a hard time changing themselves, have a hard time going into certain experiences simply because they've been told a certain narrative 144,000 times a year. <laughs> Basically, they've been told a lot of no's forever <laughs> for their life, and now they've created a story about it. Doesn't, doesn't that suck? So, that's what I'm going to leave you off on. Reframe the mind, reframe where you're at, your perspective on the thing you're going to experience, and instead of empowering the I can't and empowering the no's, and empowering this is too scary, or I'm not going to do this, or I'm too nervous, reframe it into this is telling me what I'm just not uh, familiar with. So, I need to get familiar. That's really it. How am I getting familiar? Let me do a little bit of it. Let me do a little bit more. Let me do a little bit more than that. And learn about it. And you educate yourself. You create new neural pathways. You create a whole new narrative. And you empower it by the action. It's not just speaking. It's action on top of it. And that's where you go with it. Awesome. Have a wonderful night, have a wonderful day, and a wonderful evening and morning, wherever you are in this world. No matter what time it is, have a wonderful life. <laughs> you can write me at eric, E-R-I-K, at awaken24.com. That's 2-4. And check our website, um, awaken24.com as well. Find us on Instagram, awaken, dot, you know, period, 24, 2-4. Peace.